Luke chapter 1, um, starting in verse 26, and I'll read through 38. It says, In the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So last week our story began with Gabriel's visit to Zechariah and, and uh, the foretelling of the birth of John. This week Gabriel visits Mary six months later. And now it's the foretelling of, of the birth of Jesus. And there's four things I'd like you to see along with me this morning in this passage. And here's the first, just a really big theological truth, okay? Jesus is the long-awaited Savior, the, the Messiah, the Son of God, whose kingdom will never end. Jesus is the long-awaited Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, whose kingdom will never end. And this is the message of, of Gabriel to Mary, right? I mean, Zechariah, uh, Gabriel shows up and tells Zechariah, uh, you guys have been praying for a long time, you're going to have a son, and your son's going to be great, right? So, so he says, listen, John is going to be great. But then Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, now you're going to have a son, his name's going to be Jesus, and he's not just going to be great, he's going to be God, right? I mean, just let, let because Gabriel's like, he is just a cool cucumber, isn't he? I mean, Gabriel just delivers it so matter-of-factly that, that you could miss the gravity of what is being saying, right? Feel, feel the, the gravity of the message being given here from, from Gabriel to Mary. Ready? Here it is. God is coming. God is, is coming. The, the kingdom of, of God is, is coming. The, the Savior of mankind is, is coming, right? Hope is on its way. And, and you've got to understand, these people have been praying, and they have been praying, and they have been waiting, and, and they have been pleading, God, we, we beg for a Savior, God. Would you send us a deliverer, Lord? And they've been faithful. Right? And they've been faithful through the ages. There's been times when they've been disobedient, but there's always been this remnant of, of the Jews who's been faithful, and they have long awaited, patiently suffered, hoping the Savior might come. And this is the good news. He's coming. 
God is coming. Your Savior is coming. The Deliverer is coming. Hope is available. And friends, this is where the gospel gets real for us, right? Because just as they, they awaited patiently God coming, so we too that have received the gospel find ourselves in those shoes awaiting God's coming. When life is hard and it's been difficult and we live in this fallen, broken world where those of us that have kids, like, like sometimes we grapple with fear. We say things like, I, I don't want to raise a child in this kind of environment. And we're struggling and we wonder, God, are, are, you, are you there? Lord, do you still listen? Are you hearing our prayer? This is the life of the Jews. They, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they had to think, God, God, are you listening? Do you really keep your promise? Because you said you always keep your promise. Like, like where are you, God? And, and, and this act, Jesus, is proof that God always keeps his word. And, and so this, this truth of the gospel is for us, right? The truth of the gospel is for us that God still and always keeps his word. And this is our story too. And now we are the long sufferers praying and waiting, saying, God, when is it going to get better? Lord, when is the tide going to change? Is it ever? Are you coming back? And sometimes, let's be honest, some of us in this room have struggled with that. And we have felt like our prayers are hitting the ceiling. We have wondered if God's promises are true. And so I I point you to Jesus. And I say, yes, God's promises are always true. God is coming. The kingdom is coming. The deliverer is coming. Hope is on its way. His name is Jesus and he is coming back. He is coming back. And that's the story of the gospel. And that's where we find ourselves. Jesus is the promise of God. He is the long-awaited Savior, the Deliverer, the Messiah, Lord of all, whose kingdom will never end. And guys, that's what the gospel is. This is his story. It is, it is his story of coming and conquering and inaugurating his kingdom It is the story of of, of him ascending to heaven to prepare a place for all of those called by his name. This is the story we now walk in alongside the disciples and we count ourselves blessed because of it, okay? Welcome to the Gospel of Luke. From this point on, everything changes. From this point on, in the history of mankind, nothing is the same. Amen? That's good stuff. Number two, number two, Do you see this this morning? Grace is God's free favor for us. Grace is God's free favor for us. I think we struggle to define grace, which is crazy because there's a million Bible studies on it and we, we've kind of broken it up into acronyms. God's riches at Christ's expense. I mean, we, we've, we've like tried to analyze it and, and hear the story. We just say, listen, God, grace is, is literally, it's God's free favor um, for us. And so I, I want to read to you verse 28 through 30 and then I'm going to do something that we kind of like to do. I'm going to set the record straight. Uh, if, if we could do that this morning. And so starting in verse 28, just read with me. Uh, it says, uh, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Okay, so I want to set the record straight this morning. And you may want to write this down. Mary is not a bestower of grace. 
Okay, I just need you to understand this. That's not what's going on in this passage. Verse 28, when the angel of the Lord greets Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Right? When he says that, and, and the greeting is translated hail, it's the word hail. So, so he's not saying hail, mother full of grace. He's not saying hail, Mary full of grace. That's actually not um, what the text would imply. And, and we know that because that's not what the word means. right? And so, so, so literally that, that little phrase for us, highly favored, or the two words there in Greek is, is one word, and, th- and that one word um, literally uh, translates this way. Uh, it-, it says, um, to make graceful. To make graceful. Says, Greetings, hail Mary, full of grace. To, to make graceful. She said, well, I don't, I don't grasp it. It's God making her graceful. And, and here's how we know that. It's in, it's in the, the passive voice. Now, passive voice means that the subject's not the doer. The subject's the receiver. This is not about Mary being a bestower of anything. This is about Mary being a recipient of something. Mary is receiving the grace of God. And that is huge for us because it means it's great implications for us. God chose to grace Mary. God, God chose for his favor to rest on Mary. And, and I want you to notice this, guys. He does this with, with zero mention of any request or spiritual resume. Right? See, so you, you've got to contrast this story with the story, because both Gabriel, it's, it's, an, it's a birth announcement. It's there like this, so you would kind of compare and contrast. So what happens in, in the birth announcement of, to Zechariah and Mary? What's different about those, right? And so here's what we have. When it comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're given a spiritual resume. Go back and reread it. It, it, it literally says that, that uh, they were um, upright in the sight of God, observing all of the commandments and, and regulations blamelessly. They had a great spiritual resume, right? I mean, Gabriel, like, it's, it's given to us. So Gabriel comes to them like, hey, I know you've been praying, blah, blah, blah. But, he, but he's like, you're really like you're upright, blameless people. So, so, so that, that's their spiritual resume. Now, what about Mary? She's a virgin. Like, we don't have to get into details. We got kids in the room. That's it. That's all we have of her resume. She, she's a virgin. That, that's all it says, right? Now, 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 again, we go back to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Gabriel. And, and what does he say to them? God has heard your prayers. Like, like you've been praying for years. You've been praying for years for a child. And God has heard your petitions. And now he's answering your prayer, right? But what do we have with Mary? Guess what? There's no petition. She knows Mary, Mary wasn't praying, uh, uh, God, I want to have your son. Like, it's just not there. Mary, Mary, I mean, that's pretty, like, that's crazy, right? Like, yeah, Lord, I want to, I mean, we all, some of us pray, God, I want to change the world, but we're not thinking this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this, is, this is craziness. Mary didn't pray for this. Mary, Mary, Mary doesn't bestow grace. She's a receiver. She did nothing to earn this. This is God gracing her. There's no request here. This is a free gift of favor from God, and it is called grace. And here's why this is so important for you and I. Because this is a picture. Mary is a picture of the grace of God, right? This encounter is about God choosing her when she wasn't even necessarily looking for him. 
Does that, does that kind of feel familiar to you? Because that is our story, isn't it? That, that for the most part, now some of you, like you were seeking out God and you found him because that's Jeremiah 29, 13. When you seek God with all of your heart, you're going to find him, right? So some of you, that's your story. But for, for many of us, I was not a seeker of God. I, I wasn't praying for God to do great work in my life. I didn't talk to God on a regular basis. And yet, out of nowhere, God graciously intervened in my life. And maybe that's your testimony too. That's many of our t- This is a picture. That's what grace is. Grace is you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But, but God loved you in spite of who you are and interrupted your life with his love. It's grace. And Mary is a picture of what God does for each of us. Mary is a picture of the gospel, as Apostle Paul writes, Ephesians 2.8. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Mary's a portrait of that verse. She's a portrait of who God is for me and who God is for you. That even though we weren't seeking God out, even though we didn't have the greatest resume, God graced us with Jesus. Even though we were completely undeserving, we got the king of glory. Okay? It's a big deal. Number three. Number three. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Now, now I understand that the text in verse 37 uses the negative version of this. It says, nothing is impossible with God. But I'm, I'm not just a glass half full. I'm like a glass completely full kind of dude, right? So, so all things are possible with God. All things, right? And, 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 and again, I, I just want you to see this. So Elizabeth is, is barren and old. Not my words, that's the text, okay? I'm not trying to offend anybody. She's barren and old, that's who she is. Now Mary, she's a virgin. Uh, and again, we won't get into all that that means, young adults. Uh, but she, she's a virgin, and yet she is going to conceive a child and still remain a virgin until her and Joseph later hook up. But I'm just saying, um, which happens because Jesus has lots of brothers and sisters. So, uh, so just, she didn't stay a virgin, by the way. I just want to, again, let's set some records straight. Um, so, so, so just get it. Listen, this is craziness. This is great. Like Elizabeth, old and barren. Mary, young and a virgin, but she's going to give birth to God's son, right? And, and, and he's just telling you everything. There's nothing off limits for God. All things are possible with God. And, and, and I thought about this this week. I don't know if this is as much a promise as it is just a reminder of who God is, right? God's the maker of everything. That, 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 that's who he is. Anything is possible with him. The scripture says his ways are not our ways and, and his thoughts are, are not our thoughts. He's not limited by the things that you and I are, are limited by, right? He can make the lame walk and the blind see and, and the dead live. Uh, he, he, can, he can make everything out of nothing. That's who God is. See, he's the creator. He wrote the instruction manual. So he can do whatever he chooses to do because he made it all and he knows how it works. And we're still trying to figure it out. I shared with you guys a kind of a joke slash story a, a while back. And it was about some scientists that declared that they didn't need God anymore. And so uh, they, they got together and, and all the smartest guys in the world. And they figured out how to clone humans from other humans. And so uh, they, they made a first full human life, baby born. And, and uh, you know, I mean, living, breathing, organs all working, all that kind of stuff. And so they, 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 uh, they sent out an invitation and say, hey, God, we, we need you to meet with us. And so God shows up. And they're like, listen, we really don't need you anymore. We got this now. We got this now. 
Uh, you know, thanks for helping things get started. We're good. Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't need you anymore. And, and, uh, and so God is like, uh, what do you mean? Well, we've cloned life now. We can do this. We go, and God said, but I didn't make life from life. I made life out of the dirt. And so they said, oh, oh. So they went back to their, their, you know, their laboratory and said, okay, so now we're going we're gonna to make life from the dirt. And so they started working and working and working from the dirt and working from the dirt. It was very, very hard. But eventually, you know, they, I mean, they made life out of dirt. Right? And so they, they, you can, another meeting with God. Hey, God, listen, really, seriously, we do not need you any longer. We've got it. We've now made life from, from the dirt. And, and God's like, we're really, uh, only one problem. Like, you've got to use your own dirt, man. Cheated. Cheated. See, all things are possible because God is the creator of all things. Because God made everything, He has the ability to do anything. Let me say that again. Because God made everything, He has the ability to do anything. All things are possible. God, God can make life out of dirt and light out of darkness. And I would just challenge you, Christian friends, don't ever forget the access to the power that you have. We have access to great power in God. And we shouldn't forget that, okay? Last thing I'd share with you, just the flip side of that coin, God can do anything, right? All things are possible with God, but the, the flip side of that coin is that nothing is possible without him, right? Remember Jesus' words in John 15, John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. I know a lot of people in life, it seems like they do a lot, but then they get frustrated because all the stuff they do never lasts. Guess what? You can't do anything apart from Jesus. So, so all things are possible with God. Without God, nothing's possible, okay? All right, all right. Number four, we're almost done, almost done. That is not a typo, write that down, ready? Availability is more important than ability. Availability is more important than ability. Verse 38, Mary speaking, she says, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. This is a story about obedience, right? In fact, I, I, the principle that I, I wrote was nearly uh, that abundance can only come through obedience, but I, I just switched it up, and availability is more important than ability, uh, because I want you to see, so many people think like, man, God, I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have anything to offer the kingdom of God. I'm not talented. I can't play a guitar. I can't, I can't sing. I can't hold a note. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Like, I don't have any special gifts. And here's what I need you to know. Like, listen, God God always equips the people that he calls. He's the giver of ability. You don't have to worry about it. what God is searching for is people that are available. He's the one that's able. Like you don't have to be. God's going to make you able when you're available. And this is huge. So availability is, is so important. And listen, this story is all about submission. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Now that word servant, literally, it's a, it's a term in Greek, it means bondservant. And bondservant was kind of a special slave. It means slave, but it's a special term of slave, because this is a slave that had been set free. So this slave had been set free, and they had rights to go and do whatever they wanted. They could live life however they wanted. But this particular person would go back to their master, and they would say something along the lines of like this. Like, like listen, you are far better than me. And your ways are better than my ways. And, and, and your choices are better than my choices. And, and I choose. I want to live under your authority for all of my days. And, and so they would go to their master. And their master would say, yeah, 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 we'll do that. And they'd take their ear and, and, and they would, they'd run a little piece of wood through it. And it was a sign that they were a willful servant to their master for the rest of their days. 
Friends, this is our story, isn't it? Right? Like this, this is, this is, again, this is just the, the heart of the gospel on display. Like, like we come before God and say, listen, I know that I have freedom. I know that I have the ability to choose. I know that I can go and do anything that I want to go. And I know that Jesus has provided that freedom for me. But I, like Mary, want to live in your house. And I, like Mary, want to abide by your rules. And I, like Mary, want your blessing. That's how I want to live. I am yours. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. And and, uh, I like how one scholar put it. He says, you know, this is really an act of quiet heroism. We don't read it that way. We don't see it that way. But Mary, she's betrothed. She's engaged. Even if she wasn't, if you just showed up and you were young and pregnant, like that's, not, that's a punishable offense. So here she is, and she's pregnant. Just imagine the conversation. Now, Joseph's pretty excited because, you know, he's about to get married, and us guys get a little excited about that. So I can, he's got it figured out, like, hey, Mary, I think we're going to go down to Bethsaida, and we're going to get a little room, and it's going to be really nice, right? We're going to have a, have a little view out the window, and he's kind of talking through it. And you can almost see her. She's going, uh, I don't know how to breach this subject. And she's kind of like, um, uh, actually, um, Joe, my tummy has not been feeling very good. I don't want you to get your hopes up. What's going on? Well, you see, I'm kind of pregnant. He could divorce her, right? She could be humiliated in society. Even worse yet, there were, there were, there were times you could still be stoned, be stoned to death. <laughs> yet, yet here she says, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I am yours. This is all about, this is all about submission. God, here I am, take me. She's available. And for this, she is to be praised. Mary is an example to all of us of what God can do through us if we will make ourselves fully available to Him. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest evangelists to ever walk the face of the planet. Uh, When he had just first surrendered to ministry, he was in a a meeting and a pastor was speaking. And the pastor said this. Here's here's the quote. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully surrendered to him. Dio Moody was in that that conference. He heard that quote. And and he said that night, by God's grace, I will be that man. Fully submitted. It was all said and done. Dio Moody, God had used him to rock two continents. Over a million people are credited with coming to the Lord because of that one man. One man, God, I'm fully yours. Over a million souls were changed. I'm going to close with this. I just want you to hear me, okay? Please, everybody here. Lots of distractions, everybody here. God is still looking for available men and women. God still is looking for available men and women. And he wants to change the world through them. Will you be one of them? Will you be one of them? Like Mary, she's our example. Let it be to me as you've said. Here I am. I'm available. I'm available, okay? So let's talk about how we apply a message like this. Um, Just a couple things will be done. Number one, um, as we talk about the kingdom of God and the kingship of Jesus, I would say, I'd plead with anybody, like, just receive Jesus as king. 
Okay? And here's the thing about the grace of God is it is available. It is available to all, okay? But at some point you have to receive it. And I want you to see this in the story of Mary, right? And so the angel of the Lord comes and says, listen, God is coming, right? The king is coming. The, the kingdom is coming, right? Hope is on its way. But, but Mary still has to submit to it. She still has to submit to it. She, she literally has to say, okay, as, 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 as you will, have me, I'm yours. She has to say that. Friends, that's the same kind of prayer that we pray when Jesus begins to grace us with his presence in our lives. He says, listen, I've got something far better for you than you could ever produce on your own and by yourself. You may not have even been looking for me, but I'm here now speaking to you. I want you to receive me. Like Mary, we need to be willing to say, yes, Lord. Whatever, whatever you want to do with my life, it's yours, okay? And so some of you here this morning, maybe you haven't done that. I know in the early service, we, we, had, we had some folks that were looking at me like deer in the headlights, and that's cool. We can talk after service. There's no pressure now. You don't have to walk the aisle. Just come grab me after service, and let's talk just for a moment. You will never regret it. You'll never regret it. So we start there. I'd encourage you to receive Jesus as king. Uh, two, I want to challenge you to believe in God's ability to do bigger things. Believe in God's ability to do bigger things. All things are possible with God. Okay? Let me repeat it. All, not some, not a few. All things are possible with God. And I want to challenge you, if that is true, and we know it to be true, then we have to believe in, in, in God's ability to do bigger things. I love how Paul prays in Ephesians, right? Ephesians 3.20. Um, and he's just praying. He's like, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's worked with him. You know what Paul's saying? Like, like God, you are capable of more than I can even think about. When's the last time you prayed like that? Like, like I don't know about you, but it seems like we're just we're pay, praying for, for little stuff, like minute things. When's the last time you prayed? Like, God, I, I pray that a nation would be yours. Like, like, God, in this world that we live in, and all the hurt, and all the danger, and, and, and all the, 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 the anger that I see with, with, with Muslims and with Christians, God, I, I pray that you would break through and that you would show them what, what Jesus looks like. When's the last time you looked at our country and all the racial disunity and you prayed, God, I'm praying that you would do more than I could think or imagine with racism in America. Like, I'm praying that people would come together in such a way that they would hug and embrace and genuinely love. I pray that you could extinguish the selfishness and the opposition of race in our country, God. Like, that's what I'm praying for. And oh, by the way, would you do even more than that? Would you do even more than that? We pray for our church. Say, God, I pray that you bless our church. No, Lord, would you turn this into a church that rocks the world, God, not just a town in Texas. Like, could you do that, Lord? And oh, while I'm praying, Lord, could you do even more than that? Because, God, you're bigger than I could think or imagine. Your ways aren't my ways. So do greater things. We've got to believe in greater things and start to ask for greater things. Believe in a God that will provide them. Listen, I don't know what your mountain is, but I believe that there is a God that has the ability to tell it, go jump in a lake. I believe in it wholeheartedly. So start telling that mountain to go jump in a lake. All right? 
Number three, make yourself fully available to God. <laughs> like D.L. Moody, can you cry out this morning, I, by God's grace, I'll be that man. By God's grace, I will be that woman. Fully available. The world has not seen what God could do with one man fully available to him. Let that quote sit on your chest for a little bit like a big old elephant. Then cry out, God, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. Okay? It's about availability, not ability. If you're a visual person, anybody a visual person? Okay. So do this in your sermon notes. Write availability and then put a line. And underneath that line, write ability. Okay? Availability over ability. Okay, let's stop getting it backwards. God's looking for availability. Okay, that's what matters. That's what matters. God, here I am. As Christians, I think we keep trying to work on our abilities, don't we? Like we can, well, I, if, I, if, I, if I just read more books, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm just more disciplined, if I, like, listen, the spiritual disciplines are important. Do you know what's more important? God, here am I, send me. Like, that's more important. That's a more important prayer than God, could you teach me to be more patient? God, here I am. Send me. You make yourself available to God. Guess what? The Spirit of God living and thriving in you, you'll be patient because that's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So either keep trying to sharpen yourself or give yourself to Him. Okay? I like the second option because I'm kind of tired of feeling like I'm stuck in a pencil sharpener, you know? Just saying. You guys pray with me.